Years ago, I took a botany class at BYU. The professor described a problem that sometimes occurs with sweet cherry trees. Apparently, there are times when they look fully mature, beautifully shaped with complete foliage, but they don't bear fruit. As I remember, and I ask any students here that are in life sciences to be patient with me as I describe this in lay terms. He said, as near as I remember, there are times when the sugar that sets fruit does not stay in the branches but goes to the roots instead. If this has occurred, then it may be necessary to shock the tree by upsetting the cambium layer in the tree trunk so that the sugar will stay in the top of the tree and set fruit. We asked how one does this. The professor told us that we could carefully cut into the bark with a knife, or we could shoot the tree with a small caliber firearm. <laughs> Apparently, years ago, some farmers did this. Or we could beat the bark with a baseball bat. He said if we did beat the bark with a bat, we should do it after dark so our neighbors wouldn't see us. <laughs> well, I decided to try shocking the tree because I had a seven-year-old sweet cherry tree that would not bear fruit. So I got out my bat, waited until dark, and carefully tapped the bark around the base of the tree. Then I waited for the results, and results I got. The leaves began to wilt turn yellow and then brown, and finally fall to the ground. I had completely girdled the tree, which totally cut off the branches from the roots. The tree died. My purpose is not to illustrate that a little knowledge can be a dangerous thing, though <laughs> it certainly was in my case. Rather, my purpose is to illustrate the devastation that results when branches are cut off from their roots. Nourishment cannot flow from the roots to the branches. Similarly, if we cut ourselves off from the Holy Ghost, our source of spiritual nourishment, we experience spiritual devastation. The Savior taught, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I want to consider my experience with the cherry tree as a parable representing the Savior's teachings about the true vine. When we maintain our relationship with the Holy Ghost, we are blessed with the flow of influence and direction that can nourish our spirits and bring them life. To do this, I will respond to two questions. Why do we need the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost? And how can we enjoy the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost? First, why do we need the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost? Unquestionably, life is full of difficult choices. You students need the direction of the Spirit as much or more now than at any other time in your life. You are making so many critical, life-determining decisions. Think of some of these. What to major in. How to balance school, work, church responsibilities, and a social life. Who to date. How to get a date. 
and what to do about a job or career, especially in a difficult economy. You have some difficult choices to make and you need help. The Holy Ghost can assist you in making these choices. That is, if you do not allow circumstance to shock you into losing your connection. Elder Scott recently taught us, Therefore, we are led to seek personal inspiration in life's important decisions. That assistance will come to you through the Holy Ghost as spiritual guidance. In Moroni, we're given the promise, And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. And from the book of John, we learn these important truths. The Holy Ghost will guide you into all truth and shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. In this most recent general conference, Sister Julie B. Beck, Relief Society General President, said, The ability to qualify for, receive, and act on personal revelation is the single most important skill that can be acquired in this life. Furthermore, she said, we can prioritize correctly and navigate this life confidently, prevail over opposition and persist in faith through difficult days and essential routine tasks, and understand what to do every day to increase faith and personal righteousness, strengthen families and homes, and seek those who need our help. I bear testimony that for these and many other reasons, it is absolutely necessary to have the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost. We must keep our connections open and strong. Now to the second question. How can we enjoy the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost? Of the many things we've been taught through scriptures and by the counsel of our church leaders, I want to speak about four. These are not new. They've been taught us since the organization of the church. They are among the small and simple things written in the scriptures. But remember, out of small and simple things, great things are brought to pass. Strong connections and open channels can be maintained in simple ways. They are pray in faith continually, search the scriptures daily, keep the commandments always, and serve others willingly. Number one, pray in faith continually. In Alma chapter 34, we are invited to cry unto him when ye are in your fields, yea, over all your flocks. Thinking of fields and flocks reminds me of an experience I had recently while attending a sacrament meeting in the BYU Asian ward. A good Asian brother told of praying prior to taking a calculus test to be calm and remember the things he'd studied. He was doing pretty well when he came upon a problem that required him to convert feet into inches. He knew how to do the problem, but he could not complete it until he could make the conversion. Problem was, he didn't understand feet and inches because all of his schooling had been in the metric system. Well, he prayed again, and like the people of Alma who prayed silently and had their burdens lifted, it came into his mind an image of an advertisement he'd, had, he'd seen recently of a foot-long sandwich <laughs> saying that it could be divided into two six-inch sandwiches. He was a bright study. 
a, a foot is 12 inches, he was able to complete the problem. The Lord knows when each sparrow falls. He knows each of us. He wants to be involved in the details of our lives. And the whispering of the Spirit is one of the ways he does this. Prayer is one way that we invite him to give us this blessing. I was reminded of this several years ago at Christmas time when one of our daughters had recently returned from her mission. My wife and I had purchased a gift for her, one that she was excited to receive. On Christmas Eve, I suddenly realized that I didn't remember where I had hidden the gift. <laughs> remember, I'm the guy that beat the cherry tree with a baseball bat. <laughs> I racked my brain. I searched all my favorite hiding places. I simply could not find the gift. I felt sick. Minutes went by, stretching into an hour or more. Nothing came into my mind. I decided to pray. Father in heaven, I need your help. I have a gift for my daughter, but I can't find it. She is a choice daughter, and I don't want to disappoint her. Please help me find the gift. Immediately, I knew where to look. I found the gift. I testify that he knows us. He loves us. We can go to him in prayer, even in the small and simple things. Consider for a moment what some of your flocks and fields might be. And then include them in your prayers. But remember, branches should not be dead weight. You have the responsibility to do your part. It does little good to ask for help to do your best on a test if you haven't studied. To stay free from the H1N1 virus if you fail to take proper care of yourself. Or to avoid improper actions on a date if you are out too long, too late, and too isolated. President Packer illustrated this principle with his story of the little girl who prayed that her brother would not catch birds in his trap. After she prayed, she told her mother that she was positive her brother wouldn't catch any more birds. Her mother asked her how she knew. The little girl replied that after she prayed, she went out and kicked that trap to pieces. Pray morning and evening and during the day. Pray vocally and in your heart. If you have faith that your prayers are heard and answered in the Lord's own way, the Holy Ghost can bring answers and guidance to you. I love the words of the hymn, In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return sweet hour of prayer. To enjoy the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, we must pray in faith continually. Number two, search the scriptures daily. Nephi said, For my soul delighteth in the scriptures, and my heart pondereth them, and writeth them for the learning and profit of my children. You'll notice that the verb I've chosen is search. I could substitute other verbs such as study or ponder. Now notice that the verb isn't locate, as in locate my scriptures. Uh, nor is the verb dust off, as in dust off my scriptures. The Holy Ghost opens our minds to truths in the scriptures and brings to our minds guidance from our scriptural learning 
but we need to get scriptural truths into our minds in the first place. Finding and dusting are only preliminary steps. Consider the words from 2 Nephi 31, feasting upon the word of Christ. Feasting is certainly not nibbling. We need to immerse ourselves in the scriptures like butter and honey flowing over a hot dinner roll. The sons of Messiah brought thousands of people to Christ having searched the scriptures diligently. They were well prepared for the revelation they received. I appreciate what Elder J. Jensen of the 70 has written in his book, Treasure Up the Word, in which he lists some important verbs that might be applied to our approach to the scriptures. Read, peruse, look over, investigate, study, explore, investigate, research, review, survey. Search, examine, explore, inspect, investigate, scrutinize. Ponder, meditate, contemplate, reflect upon, think about, weigh heavily, and liken, compare. Verbs such as these suggest anything but a casual approach to the scriptures. My wife Kathy shared with me an experience she had recently with inspiration from the scriptures. Our oldest son, who's in the military, was being deployed to the Middle East. Kathy was extremely worried about him. At night, sleep was difficult for her, and during the day, she was continually unsettled. One day, as she was studying the Book of Mormon, the thought came into her mind to turn to the chapters in Alma concerning the sons of Helaman. As she read, peace came into her mind and heart. She felt calm. She knew all would be well. During the early years of our marriage, Kathy and I established the practice of family prayer and family scripture study. The memory of our sometimes discouraging efforts came back to me as Elder Bednar told us that as he and his wife attempted to hold family home evening or family scripture reading, one of the other of their boys would say something like, he's touching me. You remember these? <laughs> Make him stop looking at me. Or my favorite, Mom, he's breathing my air. <laughs> As I read from the scriptures during these early mornings, the children's eyes were often closed. Kids, listen up, I would say. Dad, we're meditating. <laughs> or when I would stop to explain a particular scripture, I heard more than once, Dad, don't talk about it, just read it. <laughs> we wondered if we were doing any good at all. Now our children have children of their own, and they are having family prayer and family scripture study, and guess what? Their children close their eyes to meditate as the parents are reading. Perhaps closed eyes do not indicate completely closed connections. We need to be diligent in our study of the scriptures and not take them for granted. Former Church President Ezra Taft Benson reminded us of this as he called us all to repentance regarding our inadequate reading of the Book of Mormon. He quoted from the Doctrine and Covenants the following, And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the New Covenant, even the Book of Mormon, and the former commandments which I have given them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. 
One of our hymns expresses an important connection between scripture study and the Holy Ghost. As I search the Holy Scriptures, touch my spirit, Lord, I pray. May life's mysteries be unfolded as I study day by day. To enjoy the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, we must search the scriptures daily. Now, number three, keep the commandments always. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? If ye love me, keep my commandments. Elder Bruce A. Carlson gave us some valuable insights in the most recent general conference when he said, Obedience to the Lord's commands provides us confidence in our chosen path, qualifies us for His guidance and direction as we pursue our efforts, and offers us the potential to become like our Savior, Jesus Christ, and return to our Father's presence. I agree with Elder Carlson. We do not qualify for His direction through the Holy Ghost, and we certainly cannot become like the Savior if we do not obey what He has commanded us to do. To me, the relationship is not complex. When we keep the commandments, we're happy. When we don't, we aren't. Wickedness never was happiness. The following scriptures teach us additional important truths about keeping the commandments. We are admonished that certain blessings come only by obedience to the law upon which those blessings are based. We are promised that the Lord is bound when we do what He says. He promises us His fullness if we keep His commandments. And He promises gifts of the Spirit if we are obedient. For verily I say unto you that they, the gifts of the Spirit, are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep all my commandments, and him that seeketh so to do. And him that seeketh so to do. That statement ought to encourage us. Again, I find inspiration in the hymns of the church. Hold to the rod. Hold to the rod. Really hold on to it tightly with both hands. Keep the commandments. In this there is safety and peace. To enjoy the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, we must keep the commandments always. Number four, serve others willingly. There are so many ways we can serve, but sometimes we think of service in terms of position. We may think we need to be a counselor in the bishopric or the president of our elders quorum or relief society or teach the gospel doctrine class in order to give real service. It's just not so. Remember what was said of the Savior. He went about doing good. The Holy Ghost can guide us in following the Savior's example. Following my release from a church calling, I wondered, now just, good a, just how good a Christian are you? Can you be a good neighbor and friend without a formal calling? Can you be more kind and considerate of others, more decent, less quick to judge and find fault, and just go about trying to do good? Can you not just do good but be good? When I think of the hymn, I am a child of God, I often think of a change that was made to the wording years ago. One line was originally penned, Teach me all that I must know to live with him someday. It was changed to read, Teach me all that I must do 
to live with him someday. Perhaps when we sing it next time, we can think at least maybe on the last verse, teach me all that I must be to live with him someday. I mention this because giving service for the right reasons and without a formal calling makes us particularly sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Ghost and helps us become. So what are some areas of service that are often overlooked? How about home and visiting teaching? I believe that if you want to prepare for a mission or for marriage, you'll not find a better way than being a good home teacher or visiting teacher. And why? Because to be a good home or visiting teacher, we have to forget ourselves and think of someone else. And doing that is critical preparation for a mission or marriage. Elder Oak spoke of some often undervalued areas of service. The sacrifice parents make for their children and the pain and loss of personal priorities and comforts mothers make to bear and rear their children. He taught us the value of a smile and simple greeting to someone who is sitting alone at church as an important act of service. When we are willing to sacrifice and reach out to others, the Holy Ghost will guide us in doing these kinds of things. In my remarks to this point, I have said that we don't need an official call in the church in order to give service and receive the guidance of the Holy Ghost. And this is, this is true. It is also true, however, that church callings provide wonderful opportunities to receive inspiration and give service. Therefore, I want to share what I call 10 things I have learned about church callings. They're given in no particular order and they're not intended to be exhaustive. Do not seek callings. Accept callings when they come. Magnify each calling when it comes. Do not ask to be released. When released, accept it with a good heart and attitude. We do not own our callings. It does not matter where we serve. It does matter how we serve. Do not be critical of how you are called or how you are released. Study the church handbook specific to your calling and follow them. Never speak negatively of your leaders. Seek and accept their counsel. And find out what the Lord would have you do. Seek the Spirit. Now there's one other thing. Have you noticed that if you try to serve unselfishly that you grow as you serve? Growth comes as a natural process. But if your primary motive for serving is so you can serve personally, selfishness damages our connection to the Holy Ghost and our growth is impeded. Only when we forget ourselves and focus on others do we become stronger through service. Of all the reasons we may have for serving, may those reasons be ever more frequently and consistently that we love others and we love our Father in heaven. One of our hymns expresses a plea for us to remember. Savior, may I love my brother as I know thou lovest me. Find in me my strength, my beacon, for thy servant I would be. Savior, may I love my brother. Lord, I would follow thee. 
To enjoy the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, we must serve others willingly. Sunday School President, uh, Sunday School General President, Elder Russell Osgerthorpe taught us a pattern of teaching to teach, invite, and promise. I have endeavored to follow this pattern. First, I have tried to teach correct principles. Second, I invite you, if the principles I've taught are not consistent in your lives, to make them so. And third, I promise you that if you do, the Lord's choicest blessings will be yours, for he has said, And if ye keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. Remember the cherry tree. Branches separated from their roots wither and die, but when they are connected, they receive nourishment which brings abundant life. The Holy Ghost is that vital connection all of us have with our Father in heaven, through which we receive the nourishment of His wisdom, guidance, and love. To enjoy the constant companionship and blessing of the Holy Ghost, we must pray in faith continually, search the scriptures daily, keep the commandments always, and serve others willingly. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.